0: It's so pretty i know like
1: you know what that was like that mm -hmm. was like when um wind wakers art showed up in 03 and everyone lost their minds said it looked bad yeah wanted a more realistic look or whatever yeah
0: well because that was kind of nintendo's fault
1: i don't think it was anybody's fault i think the game turned out now it's everyone's favorite
0: video
1: oh i was there for that
0: where they showed like all these like amazing graphics that all looked like um like ocarina of time yeah. they like oh future blah and then it was like blink and he's just like Hop. yeah <laughs> he's like cute little it they, worked for they me they did well it was cute the idea was cute but since people were expecting more of a like more of a you know ocarina of time style thing yeah especially considering how graphics had improved for the gamecube
1: those birds or kids?
0: It surprised people.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. But now look at this. Everybody complained about the art style of this before it came out. Now everyone loves it.
0: It looks gorgeous. I think, (coughs) perhaps, people who play video games suck a little bit.
1: I think people, I think gamers are, some gamers, not all.
0: Are a little set in their ways.
1: Not just set in their ways. They're just, what's the word? Stupid. They're, they think they're owed something. What's the word I'm like thinking of? Oh,
0: entitled. They're entitled. And I think their this entitlement is, the is most after. True. <laughs> yeah, I think.
1: What do you think this is? I think
0: those. Yeah, the they're always here.
1: Out. But what do they mean? Because they look like tie, tie fighters. fighters. But why are they? Why why? I
0: don't know. What
1: do you think the symbology is?
0: I'm assuming it has to do with some kind of like pipeline. It is. Like it's like this is what pipe is but here. But why is it
1: always? <laughs> <laughs> but
0: there's a question mark. Sixteen. Sixteen. I don't know. It just must be like a symbol. Well,
1: it's definitely I, a symbol.
0: I like the idea that one day someone will find these and be like, what ancient... You well, know?
1: I don't think they're meant to last that long,
0: probably. No, but I just think about that stuff.
1: This is The Diary. I'm Scott Johnson. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you're well. Thanks, Carter, for hanging out with me at the uh, top of the show. She didn't actually know I was recording that, but she's all good with it now. Um, So, oh man, what a week. There's a lot going on. Kim got home successfully. Baby didn't come while she was gone, so that's good. My daughter's still uh, technically pregnant. (laughs) I mean, I guess you're pregnant until the baby's out, right? But, uh, you know, we're waiting on that. Um, they're going to induce her tomorrow if it doesn't start on its own. So we're at the end of the window basically. And, uh, they want to induce induce her tomorrow if it doesn't start before that. And, uh, that's good because Kim, you know, I really wanted Kim to be home from this funeral, which also went fine. She was out there with all her siblings and her parents and, uh, the, the funeral itself went pretty well. Um, Police are still doing it, you know, the investigation. That stuff takes forever and drags out a long time. But it was pretty weird, you know, Kim got to go where the shooting actually happened and saw bullet holes in the house. And there are way more than six bullet holes, by the way. Like, he was shot six times, but there are enough bullet holes that are still visible in the side of the house, the garage, and, and, and the car in one case, which looks closer to, like, 12 to 13. And if it's still just one cop responsible, I mean, how do they even do that? How do you get 16 bullets, you know, 12 to 16 bullets out of a, out of there? I don't know how you do that. Not with, you know, standard issue handgun, sidearm stuff. I don't think, I don't know. I don't know enough to say, so I won't, I won't try to figure it out, but. <clears throat> that uh, whole deal is ongoing somebody from the oregonian reached out to me wanted to talk about it and i'm like um why are you talking to me i think it's cuz i'm the you know the if there's a public face in our family i'm as close as you get to that and um i don't know i don't know why i I'm, i couldn't be more removed and from the circumstances so i don't know why they thought i would be the one to contact i don't even live in oregon so, yeah, I ignored that. Uh, anyway, so enough of that. That's depressing. But that happened and Kim got home. So that's good because she'll be here for uh, the birth of uh, of Phoebe. Little feet. She already has a name, uh, which, again, will happen by tomorrow, if not before. And um, that means we're going to have the boy a bunch. Uh, he'll basically be living here for a day or two uh, while they, you know, do their thing at the hospital And then they'll, uh, you know, I'm guessing we'll see the baby this weekend. I don't actually know how that's going to work. Hospital's still weird about who can come to the hospital and who can't when it comes to births. So, uh, despite, you know, COVID restrictions being laxed more, uh, it's still weird. So they've decided, and I'm totally support them in this. They've decided just to make it, you know, the family, it's just them, her Dylan and the baby. And, uh, not have a bunch of us sitting around waiting in lobbies and waiting rooms and whatever. Uh, they don't want us to do that. So, which I'm totally fine with. I have no problem with that. So we'll be here with the boy eagerly awaiting our uh, chance to meet her. So that's going on. And then on top of that, uh, we had a wedding last week toward the end of the week, uh, right before Kim left. And then, um, And then this, on the other end, we have this baby being born. So literally a wedding, a funeral, and a baby. Is that a movie? Could be a sequel to three weddings and a funeral or whatever that was called. Just need to add a birth in there, I guess. Cut down on two funerals. Anyway. Or no, no, it's less weddings. Three weddings and a funeral. So yeah, we had the right amount of funeral, just not enough weddings. Anyway, and then... uh, what else? Oh, and then today, the little dog, the puppy, uh, Moira, gets uh, gets fixed. She's getting her... her uh, whatever you do... What is it with female dogs? Spay? Neuters boys, right? Anyway, they're cutting out her whatevers. And she'll... So now she's going to be all stoned today and have a cone. And, you know, she doesn't know this is happening. <laughs> so, as you can tell, a lot going on here in the Johnson home. And I'm just, you know, trying to keep everything above board. I'm I'm busy. I got things to do. I got shows to produce. So there's no slowing down really on any of this. I'm glad we took our vacation our, our week in uh on the Alaska cruise. I'm glad we took it before all of this. Oh, well, maybe maybe we should have done it after all of this, I don't know. But I I'm glad we did it on a week where really not a lot happened pretty quiet, uh, that week. But, uh, boy, it's not been quiet since. Anyway, a couple things here. Got an email from Adam Perkins. I wanted to read his email. It says Adam from Maine here. My 43rd birthday is next week. And as I work on or work my way through my middle ages, I have been thinking more and more about the idea of success and how an individual measures their own level of achievement and failure. I have two questions for you. Do you specifically have that voice in your head that makes you doubt your own level of achievement? And two, if you do, how do you personally manage that voice and those thoughts? Love the show. Well, Adam, that's a great question. And I don't think, I don't trust people who don't have at least some imposter syndrome slash self-doubt, you know, whatever you want to term it. People who don't have that freak me out they're usually up to no, (laughs) no good. I I shouldn't say that. I mean, whatever. There are plenty of really confident people are just fine, but I'm the, the, the people I've met who don't have any of those natural human instincts of not measuring up entirely or feeling a little imposter syndrome. If they don't feel that way, it just, something feels off to me. So, so that being said, um, I experience it all the time, my whole life really, uh, in one form or another that that feeling of doubting your own achievements or doubting your own uh, ability to have done a thing before a certain age i mean we have these we have these lines who draw and we go well if i'm not a millionaire before i'm 30 then what are we even doing like you know depends on who makes the who makes the predictions but some people think they should be millionaires before they're 30 and i feel bad for those people cuz 90% of them are well i'm sorry 99 point something percent of them will never be millionaires before they're 30 And when they get there, you know, you're just, you're giving yourself a bunch of artificial disappointment that wasn't ever yours to begin with. So that always bums me out. You know, it's a little like, uh, when I was a teenager, the big thing was if you could play basketball, you, you just assumed you could get into the NBA. Uh, today's version of that is, you know, you're pretty good at Fortnite. So you could probably be a a mega YouTuber that makes millions of dollars a month or a day and you never do except in very small percentages, right? There's not, not everybody can be a giant YouTuber. Not everyone can be a massive basketball star. Hell, even some of the people that make it into the NBA end up not reaching whatever full potential they have. I think about that a lot because uh, there is a tendency culturally to tell our kids that they can be anything they want to be. And it's true they can but i think parents could could follow that up with more probability so that they understand the difference between possible and probable and can build for themselves more realistic goals uh, and expectations and then also, you know, uh, off ramps in case things don't go the way they want to backup plans that sort of stuff um We don't do a very good job of that. We're great at saying you can be an astronaut and the president and, you know, be a millionaire and own 500 grocery stores or, you know, whatever. We we tell them what they want to hear because we want to encourage them to seek their dreams, to go for it, whatever. But, you know, I got in an argument with an old friend. I say old because we don't really get along anymore, but an old online friend of mine who has gone a kind of weird direction, but anyway, he said once uh, something about Jeff Bezos or something, or no, I had said, I know what it was. I was basically pointing out that um, that Jeff Bezos was an anomaly, not a norm of any sort. And that's true. You could, you could pin that on just about any of those, any of those guys in those, in that category, you know, the billionaires of the world. Um, perfect timing, perfect place. Just, you know, all those things play a factor. We like to think it's like, no, they just had, they knew to go the extra mile and do that. They reached just that much farther when others would give up. They, we have this story, right? We have this romanticized freaking Indiana Jones on a horse kind of ideal of, of, uh, how people, uh, find success or perceived success, financial success, let's say, because that's not always, you know, a successful life doesn't always have money in it. But anyway, um, you know, we got in this back and forth about, he, you know, he's, he kept saying, he's great because he shows anybody can do it. And I'm like, no, he shows the opposite. He shows the opposite. He's, (laughs) he shows that very few, you can't, the world can't sustain Uh, let's just use a small number of of total humanity. It can't sustain 100 million Amazons. It's not actually possible. It can't sustain 100 million Apples, 100 million Googles. They're they're singular for a reason. They're anomalies. They're one-offs. Very successful financial (laughs) one-offs. And lots of trickle down, a lot of other little businesses start around them or or inspired by them or other like aspects or whatever. But if you're saying everybody can be Jeff Bezos, it's not true. That's just like deceitful. I think that's bad. You shouldn't tell kids that. You can tell them, you know, if you work hard, you can, you can succeed. You can, you can reach for things and go for it and do this and that. You can do all of that, but don't be telling them that anybody can be Jeff Bezos. Anybody can be Michael Jordan it's just literally not possible. Anybody can be ninja. Whatever whatever their realm of interest is, there's always some example of somebody where you're like, man, I wish I was that lady or dude. Yeah, so does everyone else and their dog. And guess what? There's no room for all of you. There isn't. It's not a sustainable concept. So... I don't know why we do that to ourselves, but anyway, to get back around to your question, I do that to my own self sometimes, and you probably do it to yourself. And you have these expectations of where, what you think you should accomplish and what you shouldn't have uh, or, or what you have yet to do. And you feel like you're running out of time or whatever. What I've tried to do lately is take some advice from my sister, a uh, trained psychologist, Wendy Dunford, my sister. You probably heard her on the morning stream, some of you. Um, some advice she gave me once, I don't even know if it was on air, but she basically just said in those moments where you're trying to think about what you haven't accomplished or what you haven't done or what, you know, corner you haven't turned or whatever, instead forget about the stuff that you can't actually control in that moment. And instead think about the things where that you have done. And, uh, it works. If you can get your mindset there, you can get there. Even if it's simple stuff like, you know, I got a promotion. Okay, awesome. You're in a rarefied group of people who get promoted. Um, you successfully raised a kid. Well done. You know, whatever it is, I'm just throwing things out there. I have my own list, but you know, it would be very easy for me to say, ah, I was in podcasting in '99 before they even called it that, and I've been doing this for some, and I've been doing it forever. And, you know, I'm never going to see Joe, Joe Rogan numbers or money ever. Why would I expect that? I mean, there's nothing wrong for reaching for it and aiming for more and trying to grow it, but. It's not sustainable. <laughs> and we'll say what you want about Joe Rogan, you know good or bad, I don't care. What I'm saying is here's a, here's somebody who had a successful career outside of podcasting, decided to get into it. Like a lot of comedians do very common and you, you can parlay that, right? You can go, well, I'm already huge out here doing what I do. So now I'm going to be huge here. And they do, they hit the ground running the Mark Marons, the you know, to some other extent, well, I, I won't name other names, but you know, you know who I mean, you know, the cl- kind of class of podcaster I'm talking about. And I, I begrudge them nothing because I know the math, the math is you came in with a huge following and now that huge following is in your, they're following in your podcast. And then you've got a bigger platform on day one. Some of us had to start from zero. And so my mindset is less how come I don't have the listenership that Joe Rogan does? My, my attitude is what I'm trying to have the attitude of is I have what I have and it's a whole lot more than nothing. You know, in some ways, at least the podcasting side of it, mine is the greater success. Maybe not, you know, monetarily speaking, it's not what I'm talking about, but the build something from nothing and build it into something tangible is something I'm very proud of. So you have to start thinking that way, right? It's just so easy to compare ourselves to others. The other way I do this is I watch a lot of, <laughs> I watch hoarders or intervention or my 600 pound life, or and I used to watch cops until I learned stuff about how cops runs. I don't like how they do that stuff on there the behind the scenes on that is pretty, pretty gross. Um, but those kinds of things would, would put my mind back in a place that was like, Oh, right. This could be a whole lot harder. I could have this problem. I could have that problem. I could be a naked meth user on the hood of a car, um, waving his junk at a cop, (laughs) you know, like I have to, it's sometimes good for me to see stuff like that and go, and not not to go oh boy they're much more miserable than i am. that's not what i mean i don't i'm not trying to use them as props but i guess in some way i am if i'm if i'm you know to be completely honest about it it is kind of the net, net effect of it but it just reminds me like oh yeah i've i'm doing fine i thought i was having a bad day but boy nothing like that guy i don't know it's weird it's cathartic anyway i hope that answers your question or at least is, at least broaches the topic uh, that you were aiming for there. Final email from Volduren. Voldurin. Vol like Duran Duran, but with Vor in front of it. So Vorduren. Vorduren. There we go. I knew Scott would get around to it. On a recent diary episode, you talked about how you've never been bored or you're, that you're never bored now. And I just thought I'd give my two cents on the whole topic. First of all, and if you guys, sorry, uh, just to back up, if you guys listened to two episodes ago, I talk about how I've, I'm never bored anymore. I haven't been bored since I was a kid. Cause I just constantly fill my straw with, with stuff. It's never empty. And so I feel like I'm just never bored and I'm not, and I'm actually saying that's not great to do to yourself. I think I, I think I deserve downtime that equals boredom because boredom can sometimes be inspirational. It's a way of resetting your brain and having new ideas. Anyway, that's, that's the background on what that conversation was. He goes on to say, first off, I guess I'll define what I mean by being bored. I consider myself bored when I find that I'm not attaining a sufficient level of enjoyment or excitement out of what I'm doing. I think there's a big difference between things I need to do and things I want to do. I'm often bored doing things I need to do, cleaning, laundry, my job, etc. But I power through because it's just something I have to do. I never seem to find myself bored when I'm doing what I want to do, aka during my free time. Because if I'm not enjoying what I'm doing, I can swap to something else, watch a TV show, read a book, play a video game, etc. And even within those, I can just change from one to the other as desired. Especially at this age of so much content on and off the internet, it's just about impossible to have nothing you can do. Maybe a big difference is our being bored, or uh, differences in our being bored is not having to do with our jobs your job is producing content podcast drawings etc so you're quite active but my job is monitoring a computer system so literally as long as everything's working i don't have anything to do that can and does make for a very boring job but hey someone's got to do it if you want to be able to do things on the web i don't want to go too much detail because of privacy sake that's cool i'm glad to have you at the helm wherever you're at though dude sounds like you got it under control anyways uh he says that's my thoughts on boredom keep on keep keep on keeping on and having fun. Thanks. Vorderin. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's not a bad way to define it. I mean, bad's not the right word. I, the way you've defined it, I think is fitting for, for a lot of stuff. And, you know, part of my problem is less about of uh, um attaining that sense of being bored and just attaining that sense of like I don't need to be doing anything I can just sit here and experience my own breathing the birds I can hear the quiet of the night the sun setting the whatever like in a way those are all kinds of content but they're like old school content you know the kind of content that people had a thousand years ago <laughs> the content that's never not been part of human life and just to be present in that and not have your brain go, yeah, but it could be doing this or, this or this or this or this or this and I have to do this and this and this and this and this, I'd rather be doing this, but I could do this like so many, this is, but really I just need to hear the, the blood pump in my veins, you know? So really what I'm, I think where I, my head is, is it's not so much boredom that I don't experience anymore. It's that I've so completely filled my, uh, my straw. I'll use that as the thing again. I've so filled my straw with marbles that there's just, I don't have any room for an empty, empty straw. Like I wish I could just empty the marbles all at once for like an hour. And then I can just, you know, be present, chill, not think of any of those things. That's hard to do in this age, I think. I really respect people who can. I wish I was better at it. I guess I've never been good at it, but... It's a double-edged sword, you know? Blessing and a curse kind of thing for me. Um, and a lot of people, I'm sure, can commiserate with what I'm saying. But, uh, you know... I don't know, i got to get better at that that whole finding that time to be present and aloof and away. I don't just mean fit. I mainly mean mentally away. I don't mean physically at all. Really. I want to be able to do it in the comfort of my own skin of my own backyard or wherever I want to be and not think of the billion and things that are hanging over me right now. Instead of like saying, go, well, I have that time. I'm going to go fill it with a film or a movie. I'm going to go listen to 45 minutes of my favorite, playlist. I'm going to get, you know, like I, those things are fine. There's nothing wrong with any of that, but I find myself plugging all my blank holes with that kind of thing. And, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's good in the long run or the short run. I don't know. Anyway, thanks for that email. Email address is internet at gmail.com. That's scott.internet at gmail.com. And, uh, I love hearing from you guys. So thanks and keep those coming. I think I've gotten a few more, but I've, I haven't gone through these yet. So I want to make sure (laughs) I want to read them all, make sure I'm okay to say names and junk like that. So I shall see what I can do. That I believe is going to do it for today. Not a lot of new stuff to talk about. Um, I do find as, I don't know if you guys can, maybe you guys can relate as fall approaches, I'm definitely not eating as well as I did in the summer. Like in the summer, I lost like 20 something pounds. This was a goal, right? Um, wearing my jeans, my pants went down two sizes. Like I was really feeling really good right now. I'm, you know, I'm there, but I can tell that's creeping in. It's like, I want a whole pizza. I hope that soup's nice and creamy. I hope, burr, 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 burr. ooh, bread, sweet, give me the bread. Like, I can feel that, those tendencies rising. Really hard for me to avoid if someone's got it in front of me. You know, like if somebody says, oh, yeah, my wife baked a brand new loaf of whatever bread. Here you go, have one. I would love to just go, well, let me just slice off a little bit of that, and that's, you know, that's all I'll need. no, no, no. No. <laughs> fall scott wants to pick at that loaf all day pick at the loaf loaf picking Mm. anyway talking about it helps me uh think about my choices before i make them (laughs) so i'm going to try harder to avoid these tendencies and not become a disgusting horse this year or before this year's up. All right? All right. Have a good one. Send those emails. Be nice to each other. And we'll see you next time on The Diary.